How's it going, everyone? And welcome back for another episode of the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. I'm Zach Farmer. And depending on which fan base you were uh, were rooting for, it was either a great day or it was a crushing day on Sunday uh, for the two WCC fan bases. Obviously a great day for Gonzaga. They reached their eighth straight Sweet 16 uh, by beating TCU. And we'll get into that. St. Mary's, not so much, and does fall to UConn and loses in the second round for the second straight year. And the end the end of a few careers, and we're also going to get into that. We'll also get into actually a few bit of notes on uh, what next season is going to start to look like uh, as there's some movement on the player front it, for the other teams in the WCC. And so it will be interesting to kind of we'll, to talk a little bit about the movers and shakers there and what could play out uh, as we start to get into the basketball offseason, even if we're not quite all the way there to the offseason for the WCC. But I'm going to start with St. Mary's and UConn. And this was a game going in. Uh, I knew was going to be really tough. And most everyone thought that UConn would run away from St. Mary's from the get-go. And that didn't happen. In fact, St. Mary's was playing really well uh, early in that contest, uh, was really making it tough on UConn, even was up eight at one point in the first half. Alex Dukas was having a great game. Uh, he He was three for four from the field, two for three from three. He was he really was making the difference in this ball game. Uh, we also got to see a little bit of action there from um, Augustus Marshallonis. He was also having a pretty good game there in the first half, and it's it seemed to be going St. Mary's way up until the point where they had the very predictable scoring drought and it allowed UConn to get back into it, and UConn was able to take a one-point lead right before the half. But what really what really almost turned the tide in this game, what really started to make a difference, and I don't know if it would have made a difference in the result of the game, but Alex Dukas going down with an apparent back spasm uh, with about five minutes left, four or five minutes left in the first half, and... Non-contact injury, always one of the scarier ones. You hate to see a player go down with something like that. Uh, there was anticip- there was slight anticipation that maybe he could get back into this game, uh, but uh, that did not end up happening. And in the second half, UConn took over, and their defense really ratcheted up. Their offense really started to click. Uh, talked about it before the game like that that St. Mary's was going to need to control the glass. They got out-rebounded by nine. They were going to have to shoot well from three. Ended up shooting 28% from three. Talked about how they were going to need to get something from the guards. They were going to need Aiden Mahaney and Logan Johnson to have, have good games. They were combined seven for 28 from the field. And... They were forced into tough shot after tough shot and could never get anything easy. 
all the credit in the world to UConn. They played a great game in that second half. Uh, They had no answer for Adama Sanogo. Uh, He really bullied Mitchell Saxon down low. Uh, Even when Harry Wessels got in, which I thought might be a little bit of a better matchup, and it did seem like it made it a little harder on Sanogo, but they uh, made the quick switch. Uh, once he got into the game, and and once we saw uh, uh, Donovan Klingon get in there, he was just so much more polished of an athlete uh, than than Wessels that he was able to get by him, and because he could match his size, and so this was this was really just an amazing performance by UConn there in the second half. There wasn't a whole lot St. Mary's could do. And seeing it start to slip away the way it did, not being able to see this team at full strength, having Dukas go down in that second, in that first half. I mean, it was a gut punch and you hate to see, not to say the season end that way, because maybe the season would have ended anyway, but not be able to get the chance to see what they could have done at full strength. And, he was their best player on the floor to that point. He also changes the way the offense is run. Like we saw like what St. Mary's did was that they ran a three guard set there uh, for the good chunk of the second half. And it was just not working. Uh, I thought we might see maybe a little bit more of Josh Jefferson uh, there in the second half. He really didn't get in until uh, later in that half. And he contributed pretty, uh, pretty quickly. Um, I mean, at a certain point, it's like, okay, now it started to look like garbage time and everything else. Because St. Mary's just could not get anything going offensively uh, there, in the, there in the second half. And all that to be said, that this is the end for Logan Johnson. Uh, great career for, for him at St. Mary's. Uh, and in all likelihood, very strong possibility that this will be the end for Alex Dukas and Kyle Bowen. Uh, both are seniors. Both do have another year of eligibility if they choose to do so and return. Uh, my guess would be they are go- They will not return. That'd be my guess. I have no clue. Um, and if this is the end for those two and obviously for Logan Johnson, the that trio has been such an amazing group for St. Mary's. This is a trio that has provided not only amazing play on the floor, but they've been great leaders for this program, great ambassadors for this program. Uh, they, they've take, they've helped take this program to new heights, like back-to-back years of the five seed, which are, which is a program record. They got to the NCAA tournament twice, probably should have been three times because their freshman year was 2020 and they were going to get in that year. And they just brought a different level of energy to this program that we haven't had in in really the entire Randy Bennett era. And Randy Bennett even mentioned it um, in some of the post game comments and some of the po- in the comments he's had over the last few weeks, just talking about how, how great of leaders these three are and have been for the program over the last few years. And that while, while the program has had great individual leaders 
there really hasn't been a group like this to come through uh, the program and and you and you see it just like how like this team has been ha- molds its personality after those three uh, the the grittiness the toughness of Bowen Dukas and and Johnson has personified this team over the last few years uh, so it will be uh, it's a rough way to end the season. It's always hard to see it end, and to know that it's the end also for some of your, for your seniors and guys that you've gotten to see over the last few years and be able to kind of like really connect with and everything else. And uh, for Logan, I wish him all the best uh, moving forward. Uh, and then for Dukas and Bowen, if this is the end, it's been a hell of a run at St. Mary's, and it will, and they will be surely missed. Uh, but we'll get into a full kind of like recap of uh, St. Mary's season uh, down the road, and we'll get into all that. All right, I'm going to transition to Gonzaga, the team who did win, the team who is going to continue to play this week. And the two games that Gonzaga had this week were kind of similar. Uh, both, Both Grand Canyon and TCU got off to fairly good starts against Gonzaga. Obviously, like I know like Grand Canyon got up to uh, fell down seven, nothing, but climbed back into that. They had a lead in the first half. TCU had a lead in the first half, both got up uh, by, by at least like a decent margin there in the first half. TCU did have a 10 point lead in the first half. They attacked the paint over and over and over again. Uh, Mike miles, Jr. Uh, the point guard for TCU was amazing on, on Sunday, 24 points, eight from 13 from the field. Uh, Timmy drew Timmy was really kind of like the catalyst in the first half for the Zags. Like he really was on point, uh, from the get go, but they really could not figure out a way to keep TCU out of the paint. And that was a huge problem in the first half, but that all changed in the second and Gonzaga really made it a point to pack the paint and force TCU to shoot threes. TCU is not a good shooting team and they and they proved that in the second half. Uh in the first half they had 31 attempts from the field, uh, 31 overall field goal attempts, only four of them were from three in the first. In that second half, 36 field goal attempts, 21 of them were from three and they were 7 for 21 uh from beyond the arc. Really took they really took away TCU's strength there in the second half. Uh, Gonzaga got up by as many as nine, and they were doing all the little things down the stretch. It seemed like every time they needed a bucket, they were able to get it. Drew Timmy um, was was great, not only scoring the basketball. He had a couple of really nice passes to set up Rashir Bolton. He had the passes to uh, to set up Julian Strother. He also also someone else who really kind of like set the, uh, Bolton had seventeen, by the way. Uh, Malachi Smith also had a pretty good game in this one as well. He had 11 points. Uh, there was one sequence there in the, with about six or so minutes left where, uh, TCU got it, was able to get a rebound, came down, shot a really terrible three, uh, really ill-advised three as in transition, Malachi Smith got a long rebound and really, it almost felt like a, here, let me show you how to do this. And he nailed uh, a three of his own in transition that, and that went from, that was really like a, like a six point swing. Is that, 
Uh, that ended up being, instead of a three-pointer for TCU, it ended up being a three-pointer for Gonzaga. And that, that could, what could have been a one-point lead for uh, TCU ended up being a five-point lead for Gonzaga. The Zags have looked kind of like, kind of like what we've expected so far. I think that they've played two two pretty tough games. I like they were able to pull away from Grand Canyon, so maybe Grand I think maybe Grand Canyon gave them maybe a little more of a run than we uh, initially thought. But TCU, I think this is about what we should have expected. This is going to be a tough, gritty game, even if they didn't have uh, uh, Lampkin in that lineup. I thought like they were still going to play tough. I thought they were still going to be in this game. Did I think they would win? No, uh, but I did think that they were going to at least like hang around for a while, and they did all the way up until the end. They never really let let Gonzaga get away from them completely. Um, but now Gonzaga moves on. Gonzaga, continu- their season continues, and they will take on UCLA. Uh, they had both – they'll head back to Vegas for the West Regional. They're going to be at T-Mobile Arena. UCLA is actually pretty familiar with that building. Uh, this is where the Pac-12 tournament is held, so this is somewhere where – uh, they are familiar with the court, familiar with the, the sight lines and everything else. I mean, Gonzaga is no stranger to any of the arenas in Vegas either. And they haven't played each other since uh, the Final Four game, famously, where Jalen Suggs kneel, uh, hit the game winner uh, in the bubble and is now one of the more iconic shots in um in college basketball. Uh, I mean, these two have actually had some iconic moments against each other. Obviously, like the, the one that a lot of people continue to bring up is, of course, back in 2006 when uh, UCLA came all the way back and we have Adam Morrison uh, crying on the floor. Like that's these two teams have made mar- March moments together uh, for better or worse for both programs. And this is not going to be an easy one for Gonzaga. UCLA is a bit banged up. They, uh, Adam Bona has, is dealing with a shoulder injury. David Singleton banged up, uh, hurt his ankle, but it sounds like he's probably going to play. Uh, Jalen Clark, one of their best defenders in the, in the post, he's going, he's out for the season. And that was a late season injury. So it's this, and this is one of the best defensive teams in the country. Uh, still, despite the injuries, despite how they're banged up, um, they still held uh, UNC Asheville thirty-seven percent in their opener. They held uh, Northwestern to thirty-eight percent in the second-round game. This is the number two defense in the country, and there's a reason why they're here. There's a reason why uh, they were a two seed, and so I. So this is not going to be an easy task for Gonzaga. I based on where the injuries are, this does feel like this is going to be more of a Drew Timmy game, but at the same time, it's, they, you're at this point in the tournament, everybody is good. So you need multiple guys to step up. It's not going to be a, you can't have one guy just like carry the load the whole way. I think what we saw against TCU is similar to what has to happen uh, it, against UCLA, you're going to need contributions. I think Rashir Bolton has to have a good game. I think Malachi coming off the bench is going to have to be a big contributor. Uh, I Anton Watson just 
him for him just continue to do what he's doing. Like he's been so consistent, so reliable. Uh, just, you just kind of leave him and let him do what he's going to do. But at a certain point, I think we're going to need a little bit more of a balance from Julian Strother because Strother had a 28-point game in the opener, and then he had 10 in the second game. And it, that seems to kind of be what we get out of, out of him. That's been all season long. This is not something new or recent or whatever else. It's like we there are games where he will have 10, and then there will be games where he has 30 or 40 in, in certain some cases. Uh, but I feel like this is a game where he's we're gonna he's gonna be needed for Gonzaga. He's gonna be needed uh to be able to add that extra bit of punch to this team. Uh this is this is a guard heavy team for UCLA, so they're going to try to try to attack one of the weaknesses of Gonzaga, at least in the start, at least the weaker set um on this team, because the the stronger pair of guards, I think. I think especially down the stretch has probably been coming off the bench, Salas and uh, Malachi Smith. And I've mentioned this before, and I'm not the only one who obviously has seen this, that those two have been maybe bigger um, contributors and bigger difference makers than uh, Bolton and, and Hickman on a regular basis. So the, I think the guard depth for Gonzaga is going to be, be playing a huge role in this one. I think they're going to need contributions from, from any number of their guards. I think they're going to, you're going to need Bolton to do what he's doing. I think Salas is going to play a key role. Like maybe we'll see a good, a chunk of time with um, him checking uh tiger Campbell. Uh, Ty- tiger did not have a particularly good game against, um, against Northwestern. He was over seven from the field. All 12 of his points actually came from the free throw line. So, and, and, because Salas is their best perimeter defender, I feel like you have to. He's going to have to spend more time on him. He's going to have to play more of a role on, on him. I'm, I bet Bolton is going to at least draw the first assignment just to kind of see how that goes. Uh, but it would not surprise me to see more and more of Hunter Salas in that spot just to, just to disrupt what Tiger is going to be able to do um, on the offensive end. Um, and as far as Hawk is like, I mean, this is kind of like, we're going to be one of those matchups of like, I could see this being the Anton Watson assignment for most of the game or like between him and Strother, I could see both of those going back and forth on Hawk Uh, but he, Hawk has been so good, um, all year long. He's been really good in this tournament. Um, he just passed, I think this all he passed Bill Walton on UCLA's all time scoring list. It's going to be an interesting matchup because I think, like, if they can mix up those matchups and between Strother and Watson, I think that will give them at least like a better chance to uh, contain uh, Hawkins. I don't think they're going to be able to actually like stop him. This is kind of it's not quite it's not stopping Drew Tim like trying to stop Timmy, but this is closer to like slowing down Julian Strother. Uh, but it's going to be necessary, and uh, that because he's one of the only more he's only one of the more reliable um, offensive weapons they have because they don't really have a ton of them at, at this stage. But none of it is going to come easy at this stage. You look at the other side of the bracket, uh, UConn and Arkansas. Again, I mentioned UCLA is the number two defense. If somehow, if Gonzaga is able to get by this game and get to the elite eight, 
Uh, they're going to have either the number 14 defense or the number 15 defense waiting for them in UConn and Arkansas. Uh, if it's Sonogo and Timmy, that's going to be a hell of a back and forth between those two. Uh, Sonogo is a load. And while he doesn't have like the footwork or the moves that like Timmy does, like that dude is just going to be brute strength backing Timmy down. Uh, and he's going to be one of the few guys who's going to be able to really try to push him back out. Uh, this It does feel like that probably be a little bit more of a straw through game. Arkansas, they're just so athletic. And this is a team obviously Gonzaga is familiar with. The, these two teams saw each other last year uh, in the, in the regional. Uh, so it's not like that. These two teams are not familiar with each other. The coaches are very familiar with each other. Uh, Eric Musselman just somehow, some way figures out a way to win in March. Doesn't matter the players. Doesn't matter who he has on his roster. Uh, he figures it out. And that's what we saw against Kansas. Like they were just so gritty and so determined in that game. Uh, and you could just see the potential. I mean, they're really young right now, and they made a lot of like they made a lot of mental errors in that contest, and still were able to pull it out. So I, this is going to be a really fascinating weekend because it does feel like, especially in this region, the what we knew the West was just going to be a daunting, daunting task when you saw the bracket, uh, but. Any one of these four teams could end up coming out of it and going to the final four. I could see UCLA doing it. I could see Gonzaga doing it. I could see UConn doing it. I could see Arkansas doing it. It's just going to be so, so fun to watch these, these games, the games this weekend. I, I think I'm still, le I I think I'm leaning Gonzaga still on Thursday to take out UCLA. And then if it's Gonzaga, you, if it's Gonzaga, UConn, whoo, uh, I mean, based on what I saw, the way UConn played against St. Mary's, the way they have played so far in the tournament, I definitely am a little bit more of a believer. Like this is, this is one of the few teams that could win it all. And that they kind of have all the pieces. They have the outside shooting. They have the post play. They have the, the defense. They check off a lot of the boxes. Uh, but that does not mean that they, they're going to beat Gonzaga. I, so you silly Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga moves on. If they get UConn, I would probably lean UConn. If they get Arkansas, I think Gonzaga is going to, going to be able to win that one. I think they move on to the final four. And, and I know a number of other people have talked about this of like, you take a step back and think about where we are with this Gonzaga team and where we what we were talking about in December and in January about what this team was and the flaws of this team and what they couldn't do and what they, where their holes were. And, Despite all of that, they are right back here in a very familiar spot with almost more more of a carefree attitude and determined attitude than maybe they've ever had because no one is no one is expecting them to do it. Like everyone's been picking UConn out of this region 
for almost from the get-go. Everyone's been picking Houston. Everyone's been picking Alabama. Everyone's been picking every other team to win this thing except Gonzaga. And maybe this is the perfect spot for them. They, We've seen it over the last month or so. Like They are just getting better and better and better. And while the defense is still like, is not the best, they are far better than where they were uh, two months ago. They're, they're so much more of a connected offensive team than they were a couple months ago. Like this team is a grittier team, a like almost, it, I, I'm having a hard time just figuring out the words of like just the way to describe this Gonzaga team because, and a little bit of like the, they, this one is so much more battle tested in close games that this is serving them well now. And that's always been one of the things I thought was a little bit of a problematic item for them in past tournaments that maybe the one downside to being uh, the fact that WCC teams weren't as competitive, like maybe early on, or even the year they were undefeated where they were just blowing through everybody, didn't matter WCC or not, that they just were, they were almost too good and didn't get battle tested enough. They didn't play in enough close games so that when they got into that scenario, they were familiar with, they knew what it felt like. And that's not a, and that's not a thing to say to like that they're not good or anything like that. That's not at all what that means. It's that when you practice scenarios, when you go through scenarios, that you can go through that in practice all you want. It is different uh, facing that in in games. Like there's a that just, that experience is meaningful to have it be against actual competition, not your teammates. And Gonzaga has been through it time and time again throughout the course of this season. And they've been so good as of late over the last month in those scenarios that it's all starting to click for Gonzaga right now. And I think there's a, there's a very good shot, especially with the teams that are left that they get to back to the final four. Um, and then at that stage, at that stage, you know what? It's like, you just hope you kind of like hope for the best at that point and, and, and see maybe in the most unlikely of years that somehow, some way this is, this could be the team that actually does the job and wins Gonzaga their first national championship. All right. So we've gone over St. Mary's. We've gone over Gonzaga. So there's actually some news for the rest of the league. Uh, that's been happening over the last week uh, te as teams are starting to settle settle down and some news has come out. So I'll start to rattle through some of the uh, the ones that have popped up. So we'll start with, um, I think we'll start with Santa Clara. So start there. So we do have the first entry into the portal uh, coming out of the Broncos, uh, Jordan Williams, uh, the uh, the junior guard, has decided to uh, leave Santa Clara. He has a couple of years left of eligibility. He was injured all of this past year. So uh, maybe, I don't know if this means that Brandon Pajemski is coming back or maybe there's someone else coming in or maybe the role is not going to be there for him. 
whatever the reason, uh, that's a it's it's a key piece that I thought was would still be helpful for Santa Clara had he uh, been able to be healthy and would able to be would able to be able to return. Uh, but Jordan Williams is out at Santa Clara. Another piece of another piece of news that has come out: um, Mike Meadows uh, is also hitting the portal. So uh, the Portland guard, uh, he was banged up a good chunk of this past year. Uh, he was critical last year for Portland, uh, getting to getting to their first winning season in almost a decade. Uh, so pretty, I would say a pretty big blow for this Portland program just see, to see him kind of uh, walking out. A number of teams are going to be obviously um, going to be asking for his services. There was, I did see one report out there that he would be meeting with um, LMU of all teams uh, to see if that's a possibility. He would be a grad transfer, so there would, so the interconference uh, transfer rules would not would not apply in this scenario. And speaking of LMU, actually some big news for them on the returning front. Uh, uh, John Rothstein uh, reported that uh, Kelly Lau Pepe will be coming back, and that's a big that's big for LMU. And because uh, you think about just what they are losing, uh, he was obviously one of those pieces who could have been uh, who could have decided that he was um, all done and could have. Um, decided to leave, but he will be returning for the Lions. Uh, we already know Cam Shelton uh, is all out of eligibility, so he will not be returning. Uh, so this is a big this is a big one for LMU, especially when you think about uh, moving in the next year and trying to keep this, this train going. Uh, they won 19 games this year, so the idea of like, all right, Lau Pepe is coming back, maybe Mike Meadows joins him. We'll see, uh, but a lot of interesting pieces, a lot of, um, I think, going to be a lot of interesting things coming out of LA uh, over the summer. And uh, quickly staying down there, uh, there's a few pieces for Pepperdine and none of it good. So we'll start with the obvious one. Uh, Max Lewis did uh, tweet out that he does intend to declare for the NBA draft. So th again, that is no surprise to anybody. I think most everyone thought he was going to be a first round NBA pick. Uh, most draft boards still have them there, so there should be no surprise that uh, Max Lewis is uh, going to be taking his talents to to the league. The other two are definitely blows because it's two more from the starting lineup. Uh, the first, Mike Mitchell Jr., and he's been he's been a starter for them for the past two years. One of the better uh, ball control guys in the WCC. Uh, averaging, I think it was like about like four, four and a half assists a game. So that's, that is definitely a blow uh, for that Pepperdine program. And then Carson Basham uh, is also leaving the sophomore center. Uh, he's also entered the portal. So this will be another interesting component to see how Pepperdine refills this roster. Cause now you're losing three, uh, three sophomores from this team. One expected the other two, maybe not so much. The cupboard looks a little bare. Uh, Carson Basham, I I really liked what he could have potentially brought to that program. I think he needed uh, some more uh, seasoning. You clear 
he reminded me, and I mentioned this before, kind of like a young Omar Samhan. And like, that was kind of like what I was thinking. Maybe he could be someday. Uh, Mike Mitchell was already like, if you wanted like the better, uh, one of the better floor generals in the WCC, obviously young, he was just going to get better and better. So it's, uh, sad to see him go, but we'll see where he all lands. But it means that, uh, the, the starters that remain over there, it's good uh, for the moment. Uh, it's Javon Porter and also Houston Millette. And obviously we know those two have a ton of talent. Uh, this Pepperdine team did not live up to expectations, uh, this year, nowhere near the expectations. Most everyone thought, um, where they would be. So where does Pepperdine go from here? I think that's the big question. So we'll talk a little bit more uh, in the weeks to come about Pepperdine and everybody else in the WCC as we are to, I'll start to kind of piece together season recaps and where, where everyone should be looking and what we have uh, coming up and what we should look forward to in the summer. All right. Well, that will wrap it up for this episode of the unofficial WCC hoops podcast. Gonzaga is in the sweet 16 for the, eighth straight year. They will be taking on UCLA on Thursday with Elite Eight with a potential Elite Eight date with either UConn or Arkansas on Saturday, all in Las Vegas. Uh, so uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on, on YouTube. Do the things on your favorite streaming services. Follow me on Twitter. All all those all those good things. Uh, for those of for those of the St. Mary's fans who are probably going to check out because the season is over, it's been great having all of you on all season long. For for all the other WCC fans who have been following along and keeping tabs, I do want to say thank you to all of you uh, for for uh, listening to uh, me talk about WCC hoops. It's been great all season long. Being able to uh, interact with more and more of you on Twitter has been great. Uh, we'll try to keep it going next season. We'll do a little bit more in the off season. Season's not done yet, not quite over, uh, but did want to get that in for all of you uh, fans who are checking out of college basketball now that a lot of the teams are done and now we are down to one. All right, one more time. Thanks for, thanks for listening and I will catch you later.